Welcome to Her Extraordinary Life by Design, where we celebrate women who are shaping their lives one extraordinary day at a time. I'm your host, Leslie Gaudet, self-care coach for women who are ready to make self-care a priority to support them in life and business. Every week, I'll be speaking with inspiring women from various walks of life who will share their personal journeys and will discover how they have fearlessly carved their own paths as business owners, passionately pursuing their dreams, and creating a meaningful impact on their communities. So let's get started. And welcome to her Extraordinary Life by Design podcast. I'm your host, Leslie, and today we're talking with Cindy Brockway. Cindy is a certified self-expansion coach, licensed special education teacher, Amazon best-selling co-author, and former National Board Certified Exceptional Needs Specialist. With over 35 years of combined experience, she now focuses on online coaching and consulting, providing guidance and social emotional learning frameworks to help high achieving adults manage daily stressors. Her mission is to combat the exhaustion epidemic by offering realistic ways to prevent, survive, and recover from burnout. I'm really happy that Cindy has carved out time to join me today. So let's get started. Welcome, Cindy. I'm excited to have you on the show today. Oh, thank you very much. I am really excited to be here. And I'll tell you what all those things added up to really over the past 35 years is a little bit of burnout. So I'm excited to be here on the self-care revolution. So I appreciate you inviting me. And I just think it's a wonderful opportunity to share with you and your endeavors as you work to help people and really just to build awareness. Yeah, thank you so much. Well, before we get started, I like to uh, get to know my guests a little bit more for our audience, for our listeners. Uh, So tell us a little bit more about Cindy, the woman, the personal side of your story, and then we'll talk more about what you do. All right. Well, on the personal side of the story, I am an educator. From the time I was young, you know, when I was a child, I loved teaching, setting up my little bears, teaching the bears different things. And as my life evolved, I taught Sunday school. Eventually, I became an educator. And I have just been doing that for a long time. And I do it in so many different realms. One of my favorite is jewelry making. And so as a person, a personal person, rather than the entrepreneur or business part of me, I uh, love making jewelry. And my jewelry kind of has a purpose. It's therapy jewelry. And so it's been a lot of fun. We've been doing that since probably 2010. And I host classes sometimes. And really, my best students are my grandkids. I wanted to mention I'm a granny panure. So I have 11 and a half grandchildren. The next one is coming in May. The oldest is 20. And with our five kids, we now are heading up on a dozen grandkids. So that's really pretty much me in a nutshell. Wow. Well, congratulations, uh, especially with the new one coming along. I mean, I'm sure it's going to be an exciting moment for you when the little one comes into the world. But wow, 12 grandchildren. Yes, I love that. So thank you so much for sharing that about you. So now I want to talk about what you do, because I feel like you and I are in this space that's really important. We share this common mission of wanting to help others avoid burnout. Mm. So 
tell us about your business and what inspired your transition from teaching to becoming a self-expansion coach and consultant mm. focused on wellness. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's because I have always been high achieving, driven, <laughs> and uh, very industrious, but also compassionate. And when you put those all together without a focus on self-care or self-awareness, you just set yourself up for burnout. And over the past 25 years, I have experienced four massive burnout episodes. The last one was three months long. Well, it was longer than that, but I ended up on a three-month medical leave because I just didn't have in place the tools that I needed to use to keep myself afloat while still serving and uplifting the people in my circle of influence. And so I got to a point because when you're in education, and it happens in many fields, I'm sure you've heard that, in many fields, they really push overachievement. And they do not, most jobs that I've ever come in contact with, they do not emphasize self-care. Now, there's a few out there that I've read about that sound really amazing. But most of the time, and I know from my own personal experience in the education field, where you're on a contract and you don't work hourly, you're there 24-7. And I did not, I guess, value my own time and space. And secondly, I did not have the tools at that time when I was going through that 35 years in education to really speak up for myself. and. That is what got me where I was. And you would think after the first two or three burnouts that I would have had a better handle on it. But I was making the money for the family for the most part. I wasn't a single mom, but it felt like it sometimes. And I just put a lot of my energy and focus into what I was doing to support other people's mission and not really taking care of myself. So I guess. It's been, I guess, since about 2015 when I went on medical leave, that is when I started gathering what I needed to fuel my own self-care and my own vision for what I want my life to be and how I can still be the best mom, the best teacher, the best wife, or the best I can be at any given moment and without just depleting myself all the time. So that's kind of what brought me to where I am today. I started slowing down at work, saying no to a lot of things. That doesn't go over very well, at least not in the, the few places where I started setting some healthy boundaries because they feel like you're mad or you've got an attitude. But I had to look past that, look beyond that, because I knew that I didn't have an attitude. I knew that I was just taking care of myself so I could help them do what they needed to do and accomplish. And that's pretty much where it started as far as where I came from. And then that final number four burnout where I transitioned into putting my own well-being first and then using all of that energy and renewed focus to help serve others and uplift others. Yeah, we have that in common as far as like multiple burnout experiences mm -hmm. and the 
It's, I don't know if it's that we're ignoring them, but I think because we had certain responsibilities that we just kept putting ourselves last. I know for me, I didn't recognize it really as burnout. My earliest recollection as I looked over my past was mid-20s and realizing that it was burnout because my body was also manifesting. I had a panic attack and then I started getting hives and then I developed lactose intolerance. And I think it was just my body had just said enough, like the stress was just too much. And I started having those symptoms. And I think we just forget that because we start, we come down from it or we recover that we can find ourselves back in that that old pattern again, that habitual burnout, right? Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So thank you for that. I want to talk to you about you as being a former special education teacher, and now you're that self-expansion coach. How do you help high achievers expand their potential while also caring for their well-being? Well, the way I do that is I open a space and I started my online space in February 2017. And it's really a space where I help fuel their courage, their clarity, and their calm. And that's the three things that I focus on. And I focused on since the very beginning. When I was a special education teacher, you better believe that in the classroom, we had to have courage. We had to be very clear on what we were doing and what our expectations were and what our outcomes were that we were expecting for the students and for ourselves. And then that calm. And I think we're not that much different than a special education classroom when it comes to life, because there are always multiple levels of things that we need to deal with, that we need to focus on, where we don't excel as much as we'd like to, but yet we push ourselves. And so really, I kind of felt like starting with myself first, being okay with not being perfect, with not always being there 24-7 when they wanted me there, and just learning how to escape that massive work epidemic that we have in the United States. And learning how to maneuver it so that I could still be a valuable employee. And now that I'm a business owner myself, still have a lot of value to offer. But knowing that I am going to make sure that I fill my cup so that I'm ready to go and getting rid of that guilt. Because I think that was what kept me going for that habitual burnout is the guilt for trying to step away or say no, or turn down an opportunity to make more money by doing this or doing that to fuel my family's budget. So that that's kind of what I did. I don't know if that answers your question, but yeah. that's kind of the flow that it took. And so that's pretty much where I'm at. I know my most recent thing that I've done is it's a year ago this month, I started my Mind Moments membership. And that is also a place where I teach people how to just take a breath, consider their thoughts, consider their circumstances, consider their conversations and the actions they're taking and and answer this one question. Are you controlling those or are they controlling you? And it all starts up here. Yeah. That's a great question too. Well, I have a follow-up question to what we were just talking about because you have, again, that Your background is being a special education teacher. 
and you're working with high achievers. When did you first notice burnout becoming a major issue? Because I'm sure that we've talked about this in previous discussions, that even students, you started noticing even like with students, students have, especially today, there's so much pressure, whether you're a great in grade school and there's so much homework you know, as you get into high school and they're going into college and all of those university level classes. Like when did you start noticing burnout becoming a major issue? Well, I think the first few years I just powered through and I didn't see it because I had all this energy and everything. But like you said, your body starts to slow down. You don't have the ambition that you used to have. You start dreading going there. And it was early on for me, to be honest, I was in the education field for 35 years and I was probably in my 20s just like you, when I started feeling the efforts, but I didn't necessarily equate it with my drive for perfectionism or workaholic stuff. Um, I just felt like, what's going on? I got fibromyalgia. I had lots of issues going on and I saw lots of specialists even back then. And then a few years later with the migraine. So that's pretty much where, when I look back on it, just like you said, these things I saw happening to me, even not even just myself personally and my health, but my connection with other people, even with my children, with my husband at that time, becoming kind of short fused and frustrated and expecting things from them that maybe they weren't able to give. But in my mind, I needed somebody to dig me out. And I was looking outside of myself in order for that to happen. And when you look at yourself, you look at children, you look at my kids, my kids in the classroom, when I started melting down, they could feel it too. And it's sort of like a spiral effect. You're going really good. And then all of a sudden things start to fly off and you end up with just a spinning uh, web of nothingness and tiredness and ugly emotions. <laughs> so that's pretty much what it looked like for me. And then I'd get myself together. I'd become more calm. I lived for the weekends and the school vacations. And that's the way a lot of people live. But that's not a fulfilling life, I've learned. And so I've started just structuring things so that I can look forward to each day and not waste my time away looking for a break. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because like you were saying, a lot of people do, uh, they wish away their weeks. I used to do that. You know, and as you get older, you start looking back, you're saying, slow down time, slow down, <laughs> you know, but you have the, the dread of Monday and then you're like so excited when Friday comes and having that weekend break away from everything. But how can we start looking at it more of like, okay, Mondays don't have to be so terrible, but it's, it's just that whole mindset around it. So I know that you are familiar with it. I'm familiar with it because it's what we've both experienced, but how would you, if you could define it, how would you define burnout and some of its common symptoms? All right. Well, I think when you, for me, burnout first and foremost is a mental fog. You just feel like you're forgetting stuff. You forget appointments. You leave the house without your lunch. There was a lot of mental fog for me. That was the first sign. And had I 
had a better handle on it in the very beginning, that's when you should start taking care of things is when you start getting that mental fog. But you don't. You push yourself harder. And you get you're harder on yourself. You say, what, what is my problem? You know, and also, and I've mentioned this, I've alluded to it earlier, is you've got that mental fog. You've got the physical manifestations that come with it. The emotional manifestations, having more crying spells. I'm kind of the person that does the crying spells when I get really tired and burned out. And then for me, there was also a spiritual component where I I couldn't really put it all into words, but I didn't necessarily, I, I found it hard for me to be thankful for where I was at and appreciate what was going on because I really felt that it was more than I could handle. And it, it, it was because I had put it on there, but I felt like God had allowed me to have all this stuff. And I don't know if, if you felt that way or not, but that was to me part of the burnout scenario. So it's your physical, your uh, emotional, your spiritual, and then that cognitive mess that happens when you just, you just can't think straight. And I think that's what makes it hard for us to open ourselves up for what is going to start the healing process is because we are so caught up and scrambled because of the burnout or the exhaustion that we don't even have the mental fortitude to figure out what's going on. We just kind of push and push and push trying to, I guess, barge our way through. And that is really 100% opposite of what we need to be doing. We need to be going in, taking responsibility and slowing way, way down. And I think that, and if you think back to your different spells with burnout, to me, when it happened very heavily, right before the massive downfall or meltdown, I was going 90 miles an hour, trying to catch up, trying to make things happen. And you can't force calm. You can't force a mindset shift. That's where I see burnout just puts you in a place where you feel like you have no options. And yeah. that, that's a sad place to be. Yeah. I'm glad that you brought that up because one of the things I wanted to ask you is like, in your opinion, you've talked about uh, early warning signs for yourself, but what do you think are some of the biggest factors that are contributing to it being an, ap an epidemic? And what do you feel are some other early warning signs or red flags that someone is approaching burnout? Yeah, that is a good question. And to be honest with you, it, it really, in my opinion, it sort of differs from person to person. And that's why sometimes we don't even recognize it in our own selves, because we think, well, you know, I'm not working night shifts anymore. I should be doing better. I'm not this. You're tired. The red flags, I would say, is when one of the biggest red flags for me was depression. Even when things were fun and I had things that I could do to enjoy myself on the weekends or spending time with my kids, there was a lot of depression. And it makes me a little teary-eyed, I'm sorry, thinking about it because that was something that I think happened for me. Depression crept in and I did not realize that everything looked dark and gloomy and overwhelming because I was depressed, literally, 
physically, biologically depressed at that point. And I don't know if you went through any clinical depression with your burnout, but that was part of my red flags that I did not take a look at. And I think people that are busy, high achieving, active go-getters, we often push ourselves when there are red flags like depression, like binge eating, like not wanting to get out and go places like you used to. We overlook some of that stuff and we just say it's because we're tired or because it's that time of the year when we're getting ready for finals and all that stuff. You kind of take whatever's going on in your realm of experience, whether it's in the classroom, whether it's in the office, whether it's in the gym, you know, people who are there to help us get ourselves in shape mentally and physically, they still have the same problem. Mm-hmm. You know, it's everywhere if we're not aware. And like you said, looking for those red flags. And so for me, I think not making excuses for the red flags of actual physical issues that could be contributing to some of this burnout. And I, I do feel strongly that the things that we put ourselves under, the pressure we put ourselves under, can bring about some of those uh, more clinical type. Uh, diagnoses that we need to watch out for. And like you said, when you were in your 20s, wasn't it that physical um, ailments that really started slowing you down? And so that that's probably one of the biggest red flags are the emotional areas where we are just not who we used to be or who we thought we were, the physical areas where we just, we don't have the stamina and the energy anymore. And The third one for me is the spiritual aspect, where you just become complacent with your faith, your spiritual side. And those Mm -hmm. are the three biggest red flags I see for us. And also, like I mentioned before, looking outside of you, how are the people around you responding to you? Mm -hmm. You know, because they see it sometimes before we do. Mm -hmm. And yeah, they're like, stand back. Cindy's, Cindy's got one of her days. And you think if you had my job, you'd be doing the same thing, but not necessarily. So that's where I feel like it's important for us to look for support and resources that can help us along the way. Don't feel like we have to do it all ourselves. That's kind of another red flag of a workaholic and a high achiever is you think you have to do it all yourself. And you're not willing to let other people step in and take over a few things. You're um, afraid to admit that you might need some help. And it just, you know, there's a lot of components to that exhaustion epidemic. And for me, maybe for you too, in my education field, I'll tell you what, the people and the teachers who worked and coached and did after school and did the morning breakfast program, if they could do all that stuff and drive a bus, wow, they got teacher of the year and they got this and they got that. And there was a lot of pressure to perform. And that's when all the red flags start coming up. Yeah. I'm glad that you brought that up. For me too, I wanted to point out one of my things that I found I was doing was I was disconnecting. I was isolating myself from other people because I did, just mm-hmm. didn't want them to see how I was feeling. 
again, also that added piece of not asking for help, not looking and asking for that support. And that just kept me isolated from everything, which just makes you feel worse and worse. Mm -hmm. But also too, I think when other people are reflecting back to you, what you're putting out into the world, whether it's your irritability, whether it's your snappy or whatever that looks like for you, however you show up, and it's not the norm for you, but it's become the norm for you. Like it's not a nice place to be. People, if they start feeling it and they start reflecting that back to you, they start asking you about it. We don't like to see the mirror turn back on ourselves when we're in that position because we feel, we might even feel like we're being attacked, but really those people are just trying to help us to say, look, this is what you're doing to yourself. And so it's really important. Those red flags, we can actually avoid a lot of that. But again, we can have people responding to us saying, hey, you need to slow down. Maybe you need help. And those are words of really of support. But if you're in the middle of a burnout phase, it could feel like, oh, you're saying I'm not good enough, that Mm -hmm. I'm failing. Mm -hmm. And it's unfortunate. So yeah, I mean, it's unfortunate because I feel like this is an epidemic that really could be, if we started talking about it more, not just as adults talking about it, but talking about it in our homes with our kids to help Mm -hmm. them as well to see like where they're at. Because again, they are having more homework. There's more responsibilities, more pressures as you get older, go through high school, and then you get into college. There's less supervision as you get into those later years in school. And there's just the expectation that you show up. And so if you are burning the candle at both ends, and you are maybe having a social life that is, you're really going at it hard. Mm -hmm. And then you have your learning, you've got your curriculum and they start butting heads because your body starts to physically feel it. You get emotionally drained. You're not sleeping well. Like you were saying, maybe even fall into depression. So, yeah. And you know what else brought that up when you talked about children and when they see you and this happened with my children personally, they saw me as a hard worker. They felt like I could go 24-7 and that they should go 24-7. They didn't see behind the scenes because I didn't let them see behind the scenes. And I didn't prepare them necessarily. And as they get older, as they get to where there are less structure for them, how do they cope? I know how my kids coped, a couple of them, self-medicating. And that is, to me, another really big red flag is when we start self-medicating. And that can be through alcohol, through binge shopping, through eating. And there's a lot of different ways, drugs that people do, smoking, you know, all these things that are maybe a crutch to try to help us to relax so that we can continue to meet the expectations that we think everyone is putting on us. And and a lot of times it's the expectations we put on ourselves. And as my kids have gotten older and they're in their thirties now, getting close to their forties now, um, now that we talk, you know, a grown up to grown up and they said, mom, I didn't realize that. I I went through that myself uh, in my late thirties when one of my first few burnouts, because I, I was angry at my parents 
for not telling me that life is hard. And as a 30-year-old, I remember telling me, and that was when my depression was first diagnosed as well. And I felt like I didn't know. And then my mom says, well, I've been on uh, medicine for depression for years. I'm like, really? Mm -hmm. There wasn't this open communication and sharing. It was more like hiding things. Mm -hmm. And so that's another thing too, I think, is when, and you brought it up too, that seclusion or hiding from your surroundings and stuff. That's kind of a red flag too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that too. Cause I think to a lot of the time, if we aren't self-medicating, it is just to mask the pain. Mm-hmm. It's a way to like uh, that instant gratification just to relieve some of the pressure. Mm-hmm. And so definitely like when you come home and you, I just want to have my glass of wine. I just mm-hmm. want to sit down and relax. And, you know, that turns into two to three to four, maybe. And I'm not shaming anyone here. I'm what Mm -hmm. we're just trying to do is just bring awareness that there could be that underlying issue that is pushing these actions that we're taking just to mask the real issue, which is that we're Mm -hmm. burning out. So thank you. So my last question is, What do you think are some practical, actionable steps that our listeners can take to build more resilience and protect their well-being if they feel overwhelmed or exhausted? Yes. Well, I think the first action step is to step back and do some reflection. I think that is probably the first and most important step is to start reflecting on what you're doing and write it all down. Uh, figure out what's going on and just pour it all out. Don't be afraid. Sometimes I was afraid to even write down my thoughts because I thought, why am I even thinking this as a Christian? And that's the first part is really just stepping back and taking a look at yourself realistically. And it takes a while. It's not something you're going to do in one journaling session. You know, start a habit of writing things down and what I call decompressing daily this daily renewal. And that's what I focus on a lot in my coaching programs and in my membership is the importance of daily renewal. And for myself, I started implementing some practices. I like this five senses approach so that I am seeing it, hearing it, tasting it, smelling it, touching it. And that's a fun approach to take. That comes from my educational background, because that's how kids learn best with all these different modalities. But it's really the way to tap into your energy. And I know for myself, and I think another uh, action step is to know when your energy is the highest, use that time and plan for when your energy is your lowest. And what did I used to do as a teacher? After I'd get home, after I'd get the kids in bed, then I'm down there trying to figure out my lesson plans and trying to, you know, write down the objectives and things. And that was when I was the most tired. And that kind of contributes to it too. So just really have a good gauge on your energy, do some reflection, and then put some really solid practices in place that you probably have already tried and just haven't done it consistently. And that will help you over time, get your life back. And you have to keep going because the expectations of the world aren't changing. You know, it's what we, our expectations of ourself that we have to get a handle on and kind of protect in our little bubble so that we can continue to serve and uplift others without constantly depleting ourselves. Yeah. And extend yourself some grace if you need that time to just 
not in always be in the doing, give yourself a break. I think we just, we are so hard on ourselves. Mm. So I, I really, really think that is, is important to even to look at that. Just say, you know, if I need, I need this time for me to not be in the doing and just to relax, then all by all means do that. You know, self-care is not just a one and done, or like you were saying, journaling it out. This is a lifestyle choice because- yeah. It's life. Life is coming at you. And how do you manage life? And I think that is so important to look at why having self-care in your life, taking breaks during your day, allowing for those, protecting your time, what you're saying yes to when you're saying yes to on days when you're just not feeling the most energy, overwhelming your calendar. It's really just comes down to how do I take care of me myself so that I'm the best that I can be on a daily basis, at least the best that I can, right. I can do each day. So, right. so I yeah. agree with you, those boundaries. And then one more thing that just came to mind is delegation. Mm, yes. Learning the fine art of delegating without feeling guilty. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Cindy, thank you so much for joining me today and sharing such invaluable perspectives and empowering high achievers is what you do to helping them to thrive. I love your passion for guiding others to balance expansion and well-being. And I truly appreciate you for taking time to have this thought-provoking conversation with me today. Well, thank you. I really appreciate the opportunity to be with you and to share in your mission. Thank you. And to our listeners, be sure to check the show notes for Cindy's contact information if you want to know more about what she does and to possibly work with her. I hope you walk away feeling equipped with mindset shifts and emotional learning frameworks to take charge of your whole health, body, mind, and spirit. Small steps make a difference. Wishing you all continued growth and balance. And until next time, keep dreaming, keep believing, and keep designing your extraordinary life one day at a time. Thank you for joining me on Her Extraordinary Life by Design. I hope you've been inspired and empowered by the incredible stories shared on this show. If you enjoyed this episode and the conversations we've had, I would greatly appreciate if you could take a moment to leave a review. Your feedback and support mean the world to me, and it will help others discover the podcast and join our empowering community. Remember to hit the subscribe button so you never miss an episode. Together, we can continue to learn from these amazing women uncover their extraordinary journeys, and be motivated to create our own lives by design. Thank you again for tuning in. Until next time, stay empowered and keep shaping your extraordinary life one day at a time. Ever thought about starting your own podcast? Do you have a business or a message you want to share with the world? Well, now it's easier than ever with Electricast. Hi, I'm Mark Netter. And I'm Peter Rafelson. We're the founders of Electricast Media. Whether you want to start a new podcast or already have one, join Electricast to grow your audience, monetize your content, and build your community. With our simple sign-up, you get free promotion, world-class analytics, premium ads, and personal support. Go to Electricast.com and join our community today. Electricast. Transform your influence. Electric Have you ever wondered what actually happens in Congress every day? Stay informed on Capitol Hill's daily happenings with a concise, factual summary of the Senate and House of Representatives activities from the previous session, free from bias, on the Congressional Record Daily Digest podcast. 
Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and discover the process from the heart of U.S. politics. The Congressional Record Daily Digest, an Electricast production. Electricast. Electricast.